Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Monday night edition of the pod here. Continuing a series we started a couple weeks ago that we're really looking forward to. An interesting exercise. Ranking the NBA small forwards. Also got to finally talk about that Jaleel Okafor trade as well. And uh, hit the latest in news around the NBA. Sponsored today by Ball and Branch. Go to Ball and Branch. B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Promo code CAPSPACE to get $50 off what I believe will be the most comfortable sheets you've ever owned. let's get started with this Okafor trade Danny what exactly were the particulars so the trade itself was Jaleel Okafor Nick Stauskas and the New York Knicks 2019 second round pick because Philly owns just a bunch of Knicks picks second round picks to the Brooklyn Nets for Trevor Booker Booker is actually all of the players involved in this trade are expiring contracts Jaleel Okafor had his fourth year player option or his fourth year team option decline Nick Stauskas will be restricted if they want to extend a qualifying offer and Trevor Booker's just expiring so you have all that and then the Nets also had to waive Sean Kilpatrick as a part of it. That's not technically a piece of the trade, but it was something that had to happen. And it's it's interesting because what the Nets did was gamble to a point on their coaching staff and development as being the best way to utilize this expiring contract. Yeah, you hit on that aspect of it, Danny, that there is an opportunity cost for the Nets here. And would you like to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So I have the pieces up at Real GM and what I way focused on, because of course, a lot of people are talking about the gambles and the, the justifiable gambles on Stauskas and on Okafor, because those guys are talented. They were recent lottery picks, all that kind of stuff. What I think was was an underappreciated part of this trade is that the Nets have a much smaller amount of 2018 cap space than they used to just because of justifiable decisions, but decisions they made to spend on guys like Alan Crabb and DeMar Carroll and Timofey Mozgov. So one of the ideas that they had was okay instead of trying to extort a team out of because i think they're going to have somewhere between 12 and 15 million in space instead of extorting a team at that time for it they could instead use trevor booker as a way of as a way in because the benefit of using booker is that you can do the trade now and booker is conceded or is considered an asset by these teams that's a part of why the sixers made this trade so what you get for the other team is and this parallels to a point them including brooke lopez in the mozgov russell trade is you give them a little bit more value you so they give you a better asset in return and this doesn't foreclose the possibility of them using that 2018 cap space to extort other teams but it does foreclose the possibility of doing so before june or july you like this trade for the nuts i think it's a worthwhile gamble for them okafor is talented and they need center help in the worst way without many other ways to do it because they don't have a high draft pick this coming year they you know the cap space they have is enough to to do something but at least now they get to try him out. Booker, as in, you know, a player on an expiring contract, his value is dropping at the time. There were other options. I would have talked to teams that might be desperate to cut 2018 money. And the Stauskas gamble is fine. I know I'm reasonably confident that you like Joe Harris better, but, you know, you could see what you have in him. So I think this is, this is fine, but I do not, my instinct is it's not the best they could have done with that overall asset. Yeah, I think the Nets are uniquely situated to get something out of Julio Okafor because most teams are either trying to win and I mean that's part of what's lost in this for Philly too we'll get to their side of it of course is the fact that 
Okafor, even as a backup center, could not help them win. Rashawn Holmes and Amir Johnson were better options for a team that was actually trying to win. Otherwise, you know, they could have had Okafor in the rotation this whole time. And of course, that's why they declined his option. If he'd been playing anywhere close to a decent backup center, even, and maybe he could get to that point, but they just, you know, were not going to give him that rope to figure it out. They're trying to win at this point. He does look to be in better shape this year, but the Nets are not trying to win. He's not really blocking anyone important. There'll still be plenty of minutes between him and Jared Allen. They've been starting Tyler Zeller. Mozgov hasn't been playing at all. Only two years left on that contract after this one. Uh, and so if they want to just play Okafor and Allen pretty much the whole time, they'll have a spread floor. They can try to develop Okafor a little bit defensively and utilize him more in the post, more as a pick and roll player, which really he did not have the chance to work as a pick and roll player at all because they just had no spacing on these Philly teams these last few years no playmaking at point guard either so all that's good i think that they could rehabilitate okafor you know the idea that okafor was going to be like some star is probably has sailed it at this point but you know maybe he can and kp made the great point that he has to get better offensively and i also think as the second component of this they did well to get a second round pick and for a pretty Trevor good second Booker. round pick yes yeah i mean that'll probably be a pick you know in the top 45 which is kind of where the inflection point often seems to be in that second round so i think like the league seems to like trevor booker a lot more than i do but he uh apparently was worth that second round pick and then you also get these flyers on okafor and stasica so i'm not sure really how else they could have done better pretty amazing to also think that the nets have now picked up the second and third overall picks in the 2015 draft two years ago we're talking about here in salary dumps that's pretty remarkable and we talked about how that 2015 draft was supposed to be so awesome and you know the number two and number three picks have basically just been dumped at this point although russell obviously had more value to be able to allow the mozgov dumping as well one other significant piece of value here for the brooklyn nets is they could have very well been a team that would have considered Jaleel Okafor as a free agent, especially with their reduced cap flexibility. And by doing by doing it now, they're going to have the idea of what they want. And yes, there is an outside, outside possibility that he is so good that the restriction, because they can't pay him more than the declined option either. This I think of this as the Austin Rivers rule, even though, of course, it right. wasn't in, in place before him. So they can't pay him more than $6.3 million, even if he's, you know, a max player for whatever reason for the rest of this year. But what they the piece of information they get is is this guy worth the money because the the issue for centers next year is supply it's picking the right guy it's not really about you know how you use your money it's just making in terms of that way it's about picking the right person and, and devoting it and they should use some of their resources on that and knowing which Jaleel Kavor is very valuable because he is a prototypical second draft type of guy except that there's an element of it that he he was I think he was given the chance in the more recent years you know at the beginning those teams were just awful but he played he got put up good stats so you have all of that going there and for the nets it's it's, so so really it was the idea of like maybe there was a silver bullet out there from a team like the nuggets who just has to clear money for next year we basically know that at this point but those offers might not have been on the table and there could have been a reason why sean marks is saying they weren't you know they weren't ever going to be on the table that's entirely possible and let's go to the sixers perspective on this because really from the sixers perspective they gave up a second round pick to to add a player as good as Trevor Booker because otherwise they could have just cut both of these guys and paid somebody either at the minimum or they still have the room mid-level exception so basically they chose to give up a second round pick for trevor booker yeah and just because i mean that's really the way to look at it. that's what bodner has been saying too that hey you know what like stauskas and okafor those guys are salary flotsam and they did have some value there because otherwise they could have gone for amir johnson too but amir johnson is actually playing um we're pretty much at december 15th now so they could have done the trade uh that's the earliest that free agents uh, can be traded but he's in their rotation and so they didn't really have anyone any other sizable salaries that are expiring that they could have used because jared bayless would be the other guy they want to get rid of he goes for one more year and for the sixers granted they're playing new orleans who plays two bigs together but we saw my fear with this trade realize that they're going to play him at the four a lot and he's not a good enough shooter this is a team that has been struggling offensively already i mean if you're going to play ben simmons and trevor booker 
and another big i mean joel and b can shoot a little bit but you don't want him just standing out there he's supposed to be going to work uh, or if you're going to play booker and amir johnson together that's a really miserable offensive front court in the second unit i think of booker as you know a passably adequate backup four backup five type of player and now granted the sixers you know the point has been made they have all these second rounders and you know that really would have been worth that much to them but it would have been worth getting something else and i think that my issue with this trade number one is that booker is not that good i think of him really as more useful as a small ball center on the second unit and they have plenty of backup center firepower already there might be some instances where if they want to go with a little more mobility and energy that they could booker would be a better option than johnson or holmes but it wasn't really an area i looked at of weakness and maybe he'll be able to play a little bit more during the games that impede misses he actually missed both games with some uh, lower back soreness over the weekend but nonetheless i just think if you're going to give up a second round pick and you have this matching salary available and i think you know okafor and stauskas aren't worthless to a team you know even if you're not willing to give something up they're better than just guys who just suck and like aren't going to play so or you could have just tried to pick up some other guys around the league with that second round pick that I think would have been a better fit. I think that this is a misidentification of what Booker is and a misidentification of what their team needs are. I think they needed more help on the wing, really. And that's where they, and more shooting to play with the second. I think that's where they should have focused rather, you know, or maybe another option at backup shooting guard who could be an upgrade on Bayless and TLC, neither of whom has been great so far this year. That's where I probably would to try to to focus here rather than uh getting booker i agree with you and while you're thinking oh well you know maybe tlc especially can be that guy in the future they're trying to win this year they're trying to make the playoffs and so having another piece at that spot and and you're right while okafor and stauskas may not have had much value they certainly had some and using them as salary filler basically in this trade because they weren't enticements because the deal was already good for the nets like th- this deal would have you know they they you could argue that this deal if they just didn't include the second would have been okay and it's not that big of an asset but it's just kind of the process of this one is a little bit weird for me from them and so you don't want to think about trades as having a winner and loser i am a firm believer in evaluating it for each team separately and the idea in a lot of trades is that both teams win especially if they have different priorities but for me the next in another more accurate way the nets won well and then that it was a better (laughs) trade for the nets than it was for the sixers at least that's as it appears right now certainly the the way we've seen the Mello and Paul George trades work <laughs> out so far this year illustrates the, the dangers of that uh, the Kyrie yeah. trade maybe could fall into that category although well, the book on that is nowhere near written by the way Boston fans those of you who are tweeting me about how I'm, I was such a moron for saying that they did a bad job can, there. I, can I make a happens. can I make a short point on that I don't understand why people are so invested in reevaluating that kind of stuff this quickly like it doesn't change anything it doesn't to, to say you know to good to go through it there's no reason to rush it it's not like uh even if a mea culpa ended up being justified that getting it six months early makes you feel better like why why does you can be satisfied in what is awesome for the celtics rather than being like hey you should admit that you messed up like it's just it's a very silly thing to want and it's frustrating well i don't know i I mean i think you're if you're a boston fan you're probably justified in saying that yeah it's looking pretty likely that this trade is not going to be you know an f like i think it was is what we're saying about it for uh i will note that i didn't give it enough because i was on a train in iowa but anyway it would have been probably in the i don't know i hadn't thought about it anyway i can't remember exactly what we called it but i I assume i gave it enough because that's what people are tweeting at me uh and you know anything that's tweeted at you uh must be accurate um so yeah this will be a chance for okafor i think this is the absolute right situation for him hopefully he's stayed in shape after not playing and the last component of this that we need to get to is just you know how badly this situation was bungled by the Sixers I mean you know taking him number one that probably wasn't wasn't good uh or well taking him number three but number one in my list of things uh but you know I can't complain there I had him pretty high in that draft too I think we all did uh and you thought that maybe he could improve defensively because of the tools that he does have with that 7-5 wingspan that has not been the case so far one thing though that still and then you could say all right the Colangelos came in late in that year it probably wasn't realistic to really think about all right we're going to trade Okafor until you know maybe 20 or 30 games into last season right because you didn't know if Joel Embiid was ever going to play right Okafor was that's why probably he got drafted to begin with was uh, Embiid had had another 
another setback you didn't even know if he was going to be a part of this team and yeah he started off last year amazingly well but then was on this minutes limit and ended up you know only playing the 31 games last year but i think by you know halfway through you could say okay we should probably try to move jaleel at that point i think their asking price seemed like it was two first round picks and jaleel had a very nice rookie season you remember he's averaged the 17 a game and then what really is very underrated in all of this is the fact that he you know really just wasn't right physically all of last year and really you know who knows if he is now but he had that surgery late in his rookie year and basically you know to whatever extent he was a good player he really wasn't able to be that last year he was struggling with knee soreness all year and so there was a hope like okay he's going to come back he'll be healthy again he'll look good we'll be able to trade him but then he really wasn't able to play down the end of last year either to rebuild his value and then by this year you know they got into free agency ben simmons was available i mean remember also they were hoping that like ben simmons was going to play together with okafor at some point and that that maybe could have helped jaleel look a little bit better so all of that i mean you could say yeah their asking price was astronomical certainly if they weren't willing to move okafor this summer for even just anything decent that was a mistake holding on to him this long to the point where they declined his rookie option i mean that never really made it a, a ton of sense to hold on to him that long and then maybe you could say all right you know the only reason they're holding on to him at that point was as salary filler so you know it is tough to say hey this is probably what you would say is that last year's trade deadline if they could have just gotten like any first round pick for him they should have pulled the trigger but at that point you're like okay he had this rookie year that was pretty damn good at least in terms of the box score stats and he's been injured so we haven't been able to see him again and maybe he could rebuild his value so i think you know the misevaluation there is just the center market in general which is extremely impacted the fact that there just are not that many teams that would want him because he's useless to a team that's actually trying to win so they overrated how good he was they misread the center market i'm sure probably someone would have given up a first round pick to get him last year but you know now uh, the okafor era is over in philly and they uh have i would say absolutely nothing to show for it because you know they actually had to give up a second round pick with him to get trevor booker and so that was you know it's not like he really had much if any value in getting booker and booker obviously an expiring contract backup big not that amazing there uh anything you wanted to add no we can do some other sixers news joel Embiid missed the first part of their back-to-back against the Cavs because of the the i think they're calling it load management and then he missed the second part of the back-to-back due to back tightness robert covington also missed that game part of why they got beat by the pelicans they actually were ahead for portions of that game and he has a bruised lower back he's going to be out a couple games so i mean you have a team's two best defensive players out it'll be a challenge and Embiid, i don't know how long he's i haven't heard a timeline for him and then tj mcconnell's dealing with a bruised shoulder he also missed that game and markel fultz the good news is he's no longer experiencing soreness and it seems like the muscular imbalance has is improved but it's still going to be three weeks as of december 9th that until they reevaluate him yeah and bead was a late scratch sunday so i think he warmed up and just wasn't quite ready and he intends to play tuesday but you know he's going to see how his back responds uh today we're recording this earlier in the day on monday uh, at practice all right we'll get to our small forward rankings momentarily but first uh this ad for the sheets that i sleep on ball and branch they are the most comfortable sheets that i've slept on i really enjoy the weight and the temperature not too hot not too cold my fiance can get hot sleeping at night so she they're her favorite set of sheets we're gonna get another one soon because dealing with the downgrade from them to our other regular sheets is just intolerable and you can basically try them risk-free and see if i know what i'm talking about because they have a 30 night guarantee if you're not impressed you can return them for a full refund they have thousands of five-star reviews the new york times forwards wall street journal rave about them and even three u.s presidents have bowl and branch sheets the way to get started with them, go to Ball and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch.com today, and you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets plus free shipping in the United States when you use that familiar promo code CAPSPACE. Easy to remember, we talk about CAPSPACE all the time on the program here. That's $50 off plus free U.S. shipping right now at Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch.com. That's Bowl and Branch.com, promo code CAPSPACE. Let them know that you came from us. All right, this was a pretty interesting exercise here. I found it a little bit easier, I thought, than the shooting guards, in part because small forward has so much more top end talent 
than the shooting guard position does. Right. So so you kind of had that basis before we were dealing with, you know, like really with, with guys like Clay Thompson and Clay's a wonderful player, but it's an entirely different conversation. And I think before we get all the way into it, especially because the top part of this is not as, as drama filled, it's star filled, but it's not drama filled to do a little bit of definitional work. And so while inevitably people will complain about this, we are defining the position in a more abstract way rather than how the team is being used. It's more of a league wide idea. Like, is that yeah. the best, is that your best position to defend? There are right. teams. And, in and this the point league. of that, the point yeah. of this exercise, by the way, I mean, it, it's funny, you know, a, a lot of people kind of decry rankings and, you know, even people in the league will be like, oh yeah, we don't rank players. Like there's no point to that. I'm like, well, uh, you know, I would disagree with that, actually. I think that because if you're going to pay someone a max contract, you're going to pay someone starter money. It's important to kind of know what you're getting. Where Are you getting a guy who's really in the top half of the league as a starter? Someone that you can feel good about. Like, hey, this guy's really above average. This is a rare commodity here that we are getting with this type of money. And so I think, you know, obviously we do this in tiers where this is not gospel, especially once we get below, I think seven on my list, you know, we're just doing it in tiers. We're not ranking within those tiers because it just gets too difficult. But just having a general idea of where guys fit in the league, I think it is very important and enlightening for me. Um, so Dan, you want to explain like kind of how we came up with, all right, who's a small forward versus a potential power forward or a shooting guard? Sure. So we, we think about it a little bit more in the idea of where they would be on a on an average NBA team. It is not specific. And an example of that is that there are a lot of teams that play two guys who are small forwards. And you can do that either by having them as the two and the three, like Minnesota does, where we have Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler on this list as small forwards, or you can do it with them playing the three and the four in certain circumstances. You know, it really does depend on on how your team is structured. And so a lot of a lot of teams you get into these circumstances where where guys can play small forward and power forward. And so we just kind of, you know, there were a lot of judgment calls. That's it's the middle position for a reason. You know, you have all that. And so some of the guys that, oh, oh and one other point I want to make before we get into the definitional stuff is this, at least as I saw it, is how these players are now. It is not prediction in terms of who is going to be good two years from now or who's going to be good three, four years from now. It's not a value yes. proposition. Yeah. It is it's where these guys want, are for yeah, the rest of the season. Who would we want season. for this? Who, yeah. Who would we want for the rest of this season? And the, the playoffs and it, to me obviously it's a sliding scale especially in today's day and age between a, a small forward and a power forward right but i think you know the more you're shooting threes the more you're operating facing the basket with the ball in your hands if you're running pick and rolls the more you guard on the perimeter if that's really your natural position to guard you know if you're guarding traditional power forwards in the post that's going to make you more of a power forward if you have more room protection responsibilities that'll make you more of a power forward um and there's certain even guys on this list who would probably are better at power forward but nonetheless on most in the leagues there's still kind of a classic small forward and certainly that definition is moving more towards making bigger small forwards power forwards at this point but i think the way we do it too is to say all right well if you can play power forward if you can play shooting guard in addition to small forward if you can guard four positions that's just increases your value as a, a small forward so uh, and i think even you know if you ask these players what they are they would probably all say that they're small forwards rather than power forwards despite having the, that versatility so i mean you know so give you an example you mentioned butler and wiggins uh andre robertson and paul george those guys are both small forwards i think that uh jalen Braun and jason tatum start together but they're both uh, small forwards as well tobias harris was kind of a guy who's like right on the line for me because he does shoot a lot he operates facing the basket a lot but we've always we've been saying for years and years that his best position is power forty, and that's he's pretty limited on the perimeter as a defensive player you know i think that was kind of a, but he's like right on the line and you know carmelo we have as a power forward now because he's just too limited defensively on the perimeter um and again another guy we've been saying hey you know they got to play him at uh, power forward um so i mean if you can't even yeah go ahead yeah let me run through quickly the guys that some people would consider small forwards that we these were the ones that we evaluated and shifted over so we've already mentioned tobias harris and Mello. also Giannis, dario sharich pj tucker gallinari ronde hollis jefferson joe johnson james johnson lance thomas and al Camino. so all of those guys will be in consideration at the four spot and their versatility that you can even make that a question will help them but if you're wondering where those guys are it will be in that podcast yeah and i think also if you're a traditional three in our in my view you should be able to switch on to a one and like credibly 
possibly be able to guard him i mean that's it's not everybody on this list but most of them uh i think you, you can kind of look at it that way whereas if you're looking at like tobias harris or mellow not gonna maybe be as good in a switching type of scheme um and the idea is if you do then play that guy at power forward then you can switch one through four you know that that's kind of part of it as well but uh enough prevaricating here i really struggled with this aspect of whether to put lebron james kevin durant and Kawhi leonard all in the same tier or to put lebron in his own tier and i eventually just put lebron in his own tier just because he's still playing at this unbelievable level uh Kawhi hasn't played this year kd until recently with stuff being out of his head a little bit more of a down season lebron is nearly as good as he's ever been at least offensively and i know he plays power forward a lot these days but still with the amount that he handles the ball i think you still think of him as a small forward he would think of himself as a small forward and so uh, that's uh, and he's also easily the second greatest player of all time and you know putting another year in the ledger now that's getting him even closer to michael jordan so with all that the history as well i I put him in his own tier at number one i did not put him in his own tier partially because you know the regular season defense really does wax and wane i think per minute Kawhi leonard was better in the regular season last year and of course that's partially because lebron is choosing to do it that way and i no blame to him whatsoever yeah i mean well and he's also playing so many more minutes too you know right. I mean, if he was playing yeah. 32 minutes a game or, or 35 minutes a game like Kawhi, maybe he would people. be better yeah yeah and so so it's hard for me just because when you think about what Kawhi leonard could be you know i i think that he could just so i ended up with them in the same tier but it's it's tough and i actually put Kawhi two and durant three it's close you're splitting hairs between those two guys i just think that being the defender that Kawhi has proven to be you know durant has had a nice defensive year but the fact that Kawhi has taken on so much more of the offensive load and done a really nice job but again between those two guys there there is not a wrong choice it's just that i think Kawhi is a little bit more maybe a little bit more plug and play just because he's so special defensively yeah for me i had kd above Kawhi. kd been doing it for longer better offensive player than Kawhi is and the additional versatility i mean he's nearly leading the league in blocks now that he's shown defensively now his ability on the perimeter is kind of getting worse as he gets older too um you know he's kind of moving closer to being that power forward type of level as well right now uh but due to his offensive skill i think you'd still view him as a small forward and especially you know how good he was in the playoffs last year i think he has reached levels in his career that we have not seen yet from Kawhi. and then also Kawhi just coming off of this quad tendon injury you know we don't know exactly what he's going to look like it could take him a while to get back up to speed so especially if we're talking about hey who would we want for the rest of this season and the playoffs then he's uh he's got to be up there uh or, or kd's got to be above Kawhi. kd's playing at a great level right now and Kawhi, you know we're not sure yet i mean anytime someone misses that much time with an injury there is some uncertainty but those two guys were in their own tier two uh for me uh well above kind of the all-star level which i think we'll get to next yeah and that's an important distinction to make here is that all of these guys are above anybody we talked about in the in the shooting guard column and i would say probably the next tier too and so the the group that i had as a, a challenge with it was the initial separation was how do you deal with paul george jimmy butler and gordon hayward because all of those guys have proven it differently over time they're all established players but like jimmy butler last year was phenomenal jimmy butler was the best of those three players last year but paul george has had other yeah. really good years in his career and-, yeah, and george has been the best of those guys in the playoffs mm-hmm. as well um and also i mean we should mention and this is kind of where gordon hayward would rank if he right. were healthy i mean because the, the assumption although he, he did actually say that he's hopeful that maybe he could come back this year he's almost out of that walking boot now but you, know, you have to imagine he won't come back and if he does he's not going to be playing at that same type of all-star level so I, I think you know this is kind of where he would be but you know we it's not really fair if we're sticking to our own criteria of who we would want for the rest of this season and the playoffs you know to have him in there given the injury of course right so it's it is kind of like an an a placeholder if you will with that and so so how did you approach those three and am i missing somebody in that conversation no i think you know for me i had i kind of label the tiers one appropriate and this was the established all-stars tier and i said that george and butler were in their own tier uh, hayward 
I had below for a couple of reasons. I mean, because even if you'd say, okay, who would you want going forward after this year? You know, we don't know how how much that dislocated ankle is going to affect his career. And he really only played at an all-star level for one season as well. George and Butler better defensively than Hayward also. And Butler has started to come on now. He had a rough start to the year, but he, he's been looking pretty good lately uh, in what's been an interesting offensive situation for him in Minnesota. George struggling a little bit from the field, but as an established playoff performer, you know, I had him at number four butler at five and then uh i had a fourth tier as non-established all-stars and in there i included ben simmons who i think will probably make the all-star team this year uh although i haven't looked into it that that closely uh and gordon hayward those are the two that uh, popped out to me simmons in part because i think he's going to continue to improve uh, throughout the year um and that's kind of where hayward would if we were like okay we're going to do these for where we think guys will be at the start of next year and hayward is back now that's kind of where he would have fit for me but that that's my top seven just to recap so james durant leonard paul george jimmy butler ben simmons and gordon hayward yeah i don't have too much of a difference there i do have ben simmons in a tier below george and butler just because we have to see more of yeah, it from he's him be- he's below george and butler to me also this, yeah. that's sort of my tier four butler and george are in tier three right and so I, ha- I have that same thing and what simmons provides and is is just this idea of intense value because he's a shot creator at the three or at forward if we want to do it that way and even though he has trouble shooting and we don't even know if that's going to go there that value is intense and he's a capable forward defender which was something we wondered about beforehand yeah I don't don't think he's going to be a lockdown guy but he can be good enough to be the other player which is very valuable to not be a sieve and at his size legit 6'10 like he is like this is other than injuries if this is basically as low as he goes this could get serious and then the last piece i wanted to talk about before we move on is and this might be unfair because i thought about this and i'm not sure if you did was would you have put Giannis in the tier with Kawhi and durant or would would he have kind of been in his own middle tier between that and pg and jimmy butler if he had been included in this yeah i think you would have to be a little bit below those guys just for having not quite done it in the playoffs yet um but certainly the way he's played this year he's been probably above where we would expect both of those guys to be potentially um so yeah i mean that that wasn't hard for me to to, to think about um yeah with simmons i mean was there any issue for you as far as like just classifying him as a small forward i mean you could make an argument he's a power forward you could make an argument that he's a point guard that's how they announce him as well but i think you know when i did my all nba teams that i had him as a forward and i think small forward seems most logical that he's playing with Sharich, you know that's he's guarding more on the perimeter than he is guarding fours in the post but he's really you know not guard not the greatest at guarding just like straight up point guards in and he's certainly you know he's not playing like conventional pick and roll defense against point guards so i think small forward is probably the place to put him he is one of the hardest guys to define, especially because we, by nature, conflate offensive and defensive roles a little bit. But yeah, I'd say the three is fair. And the, the idea of having him out of the primary pick and roll action, I think, is a, is a good way of putting it. And that really does slide him off the one and probably to the three more than the two, partially due to his like what his strengths and weaknesses are defensively. And between the three and the four, it, it is situation dependent. He's very fortunate to have Robert Covington there. But yeah, I'd say that's fine. And there will be some that want him other places. Not that's fine. But I, I, I think that this is the best of an, a series of imperfect and inaccurate things. And that's part of the reason why he's special. All right. So my fifth tier now is really out of the all-star consideration category. And I didn't necessarily rank these guys within this tier, but I included five people, Harrison Barnes, Robert Covington, Chris Middleton, Otto Porter, and Andre Guadala in this category. You know, you'll notice a few names maybe missing in there, but those are guys who I, and I still trust that Iguodala will get it together by the playoffs and be a big force again. Um, he was probably the toughest inclusion in this group, but just as more of a nod to what he's accomplished in the past. And we'll see if he can get back to that level again this year. Uh, but Barnes, you know, solid score, 20 point a game score, reasonably efficient, has the versatility to play at, at the four as well. Covington, his shooting, I mean, he's probably the best two way player in this category. Middleton has been pretty efficient this year. He plays 
shooting guard a fair amount but i think of him uh i guess he's really starting at small forward this year with uh, tony snell as the shooting guard and then porter was the toughest inclusion here i mean he's just so efficient offensively it's hard to deny him but he's not i think he's got some real defensive limitations that make it hard to put him in here um because this is kind of like all right you know this these guys don't have major weaknesses that you can identify still um but porter's just so efficient offensively i gave him the nod i structured this a little differently than you and and actually my order is different too so i the i had as a separate group in my tier five covington and middleton because those guys to me are closer to true three and d kind of two-way guys they're not they're not providing as much value offensively as you know a player who can do more with the ball in his hands but they have fewer offensive weaknesses and they're very valuable defensively and we know how important defensive wings are so i separated them from Otto porter just because to me porter is he's still a dependent talent offensively he is to me though like middle isn't middleton still like living off the fact that he was like really high in defensive rpm like three years ago i mean where's the evidence that he's like some great defensive player he's like solid well he's he so to me he's worse he's worse defensively than robert covington i think covington is, is significantly better there but with covington i'm still wondering whether the offense i think he's middleton is a more established offensive player so for me it's it's not that those sure. players are the same it's just that their overall value is similar in that way and with porter for me i think the idea that that just pushes him down there is that he's still a dependent offensive talent you know he's a superior offensive talent to those guys to me just because he's he's more efficient and all that but he also doesn't have the defensive chops at, at least at this point in his career i still think he can get better there and then the other guy so i had porter and harrison barnes together just because to me they're not the answer on either end and when you're not the answer on either end so maybe you should say that i should have covington separate from middleton i'm giving him a little bit of bias i think yeah. he can be better than he's been but i, yeah. I think there's a I, little bit i think bit covington of is probably for a good team covington is probably the guy that i would most want to have out of this group agreed and i mean just that he can be a good man-to-man defender and team defender that combination is incredibly valuable for a playoff team and i also didn't have iguodala in this group it's hard with him i, I wrote about yeah. this a lot last year because he looked worse at the beginning of the year and so you're sitting there going oh did he lose a step and then he was much better you know when when durant yeah, went and, down and his shooting has been problematic this year right too. and this year his defense has been worse as a man-to-man defender he's gotten blown by by some some of the quicker twos in a way that he didn't used to because he could use you know anticipation and guile to get to handle that so i had him a tier below but you can certainly say hey you did the same thing last year and he he did really well when durant was out and he was was good in the playoffs so you can do it that way but i had him there just because you know kind of the idea that maybe he just isn't the guy he was and i think that's kind of the parallel with somebody that i think would have been in this tier last year but hasn't shown it this year which is jay crowder and so for both of those guys it's like they could be either place but for right now i'm leaning towards the lower side unless they prove it again all right well we will get to a few names that people might be surprised and aghast that we have not heard yet andrew wiggins is certainly among those first though this from blue apron my fiance and i cook blue apron often what we do is we'll actually get the four-person meal so that we then have some leftovers looking forward to doing spicy korean pork and rice cakes i really like all of their asian themed stuff it's outstanding you really can try ingredients and tastes from all over the world if you don't know what blue apron is yet it is a food delivery service that provides you with pre-portioned ingredients and instructions to cook them in under 45 minutes they offer 12 new recipes each week customers can pick two three or four recipes based on what best fits their schedule a few other meals that they are featuring this month ginger soy barramundi they have a lot of use ginger a lot i really enjoy ginger and uh, cheesy enchiladas rojas and if you want to get started with them blue apron is treating our listeners to the first three meals a 30 dollars value with your first order at blueapron.com slash capspace blueapron.com slash capspace if you go to that url check out what they've got to offer see if the upcoming recipes look good to you and uh, if you sign up you get that 30 dollars off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash cap space that slash cap space url is easy to remember we talk about cap space of course on the program quite a bit blueapron.com slash cap space blue apron a better way to cook so of the people who are below in this lower tier for you danny who is the closest to moving up 
into a higher tier? I think it's probably Jay Crowder because Crowder has been a capable defensive player, you know, very good defensive player and a successful productive offensive player. So I think the, the fact that he's already done it and his, you know, the the other Celtics, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both could be that guy. Like if, if I were to predict who is going to be in that tier in the future, it would be those guys, but they still have to prove it more to me. And it's like, yeah, it's like I we mean, talked Tatum's about. Tatum's with- not going to keep making half of his threes. <laughs> I, w- like, I, I wouldn't think, think so. And yeah. and it's a lot like with Oladipo, where he if he keeps on doing this, then I have no qualms whatsoever moving them up, but they need to do it a little bit longer. And so I'm going to give them patience. And Iguodala, you know, I said I have him in this in this tier, so he, he has shown the ability to do it. And then kind of along a similar line to Jay Crowder, Trevor Reza has, you know, has a lot of value as a, he's a, ta- a capable defensive player who can hit open shots. And so those sorts of players are incredibly valuable right now in the league. So I would say this next year, it's like, I feel pretty good about it though. I think that was the most surprising thing was I thought this was going to be the dividing line that I was most uncomfortable with, but I don't know. I I was able to actually do the differentiation okay. Yeah, and one thing that's especially, I think, at small forward, maybe more than any other position, is they are very dependent on just like, are you hitting your threes lately? So Ariza, for example, is shooting basically 40% on threes this year. He is a 614 true shooting percentage, and he's taking 6.9 three-point attempts per 36 minutes. So if you want to base it just solely on how he's played so far this year, he's probably up in the next tier, right, as a solid defensive player. But, you know, we don't expect him to continue shooting 40% on threes threes all year you know he's been more a mid 30s maybe you know mid to high 30s type of guy throughout most of his career he had that one year in washington where he was 40 percent. but and then so you've also got some guys who've disappointed in this group right like jay crowder was only 9.4 per 53 percent true shooting that's way below where he's been has not been the same guy defensively really been on a two-year decline there and there's talk that he wasn't able to train during the offseason but due to some personal issues but is he going to get back to the level that he's been at hard to say and then Andrew Wiggins quietly he's not having a good year right now by his standard I mean he has a 13.5 PR 51% true shooting and his usage is down to 22% and so really that's a problem for him because you would think that he was in the very high 20s in usage and was actually a little bit more efficient last year so you'd hope that he could get more efficient uh, he is now starting to really get into it seems like pretty clear third banana roll which is what he should be he's now nowhere near as good as Towns or Butler as an offensive player but you know i mean if he's not giving and he's taking some small strides defensively but certainly can't be described as a quality option there either without the wolves defense has been this year so really i mean if he's not even gonna be like okay i'm providing a ton of usage here then like what is he exactly and the answer is you know a guy who doesn't really have a ton of strengths at this point i think he'll shoot it a little bit better but you know you'd be hard pressed to even say that necessarily he should be in this tier uh and oh by the way he's got a max contract coming next year yeah you could think about the difference between him and Otto porter so wiggins is certainly capable of doing a lot i think he has a high defensive ceiling just in terms of physical capability he's a freak athlete and he can you know he can be a high year usage guy i don't think he but he can't be as effective doing what Otto porter does as Otto porter has been and so i think yeah. that's a, a portion of it as well so and, you know yeah and porter's yeah. a lot better defensively too than yeah. Higgins. i mean he's not porter's not great one-on-one but he'll at least get some steals he, he's effective as a help guy more so than Wiggins. right and so and then the other guy that you can kind of use as a comparison point here is somebody like Joe Ingles. Like Joe Ingles does less better, I would say. You know, so he does less the he you know, it's it's kind of a different he has more creation just cuz he's he, I think he he can pass a lot better. And Ingles is an underappreciated defender at points cuz he's he's smart, but and he he's done well in certain circumstances on switches on unusual matchups he's done well. So yeah, I mean, I I think he so actually as a way of talking about this, do you want to just go through the people that you have in this tier? I think that might be worthwhile for both. Yeah because yeah, we went through like ideas of who's in here but we never said the full list okay so yeah so I, i've got crowder wiggins and this is in no particular order within this tier uh jason tatum jalen brown nick batum who's having a, a miserable year and actually uh, looks like he's might miss time again with uh, that elbow injury uh ariza rudy gay who we haven't talked about he was also like right on the borderline of maybe being a power forward uh and then joe ingles in this tier for me i mean and, and you get to guys who have a 
pretty disparate skill sets at this point too and to say all right joe ingles is better than andrew wiggins I, you know I, I don't think you can say that it just you know it depends on what you need as a team i think at that point but those guys are all in the tier and i think the way i looked at them as you would generally look at this kind of player as either having some really outstanding skills or being just a well-rounded quality small forward if you have this guy you're gonna say okay you know we have someone who's good enough at small forward and certainly we could see guys pop out of this list we could see guys if they continue to struggle drop down but that's kind of where i had it at this point and certainly you know i'd expect that tatum and braun would both ascend into that next tier relatively quickly um and, and again tatum the fact that he just is not going to continue shooting this well from three-point range is a big part of that evaluation if you're going to say all right who do you who do you would you want to have going forward here as opposed to like what have they done so far this year this is not a ranking of what they've done so far this year that obviously comes into it but you're looking at all right who do we want for the rest of this year and most importantly the playoffs that's what gets Andre Guadala into a tier above these guys to me I'm surprised that we were as like-minded on this as we are just because there oh it's a lot of beauty is in the of the beholder but again this this group is not ones where you fall in love with them some guys it's falling out it's guys where we've kind of fallen out of love with them and other guys it's it's what they could be and so the only real difference for me is that i have Iguodala in this group and don't have him in the tier above and there were a lot of guys that i struggled with you know whether they should or should not be in this tier but it's interesting that we drew the lines in similar places and then that sets up what might be a more challenging is this kind of the last tier because after this it just gets really really messy or do you have a split kind of uh, you know uh, i have two more i have a tier of four guys who are like starters that you know won't kill you on either end uh, but you know are not really at the same level of quality as some of these other guys where you're like okay we've got the solution here uh a, a couple of veterans wilson chandler damari carroll came into that list for me i assume that chandler is going to start playing a little bit better he had that nice game against indiana last night he had really struggled early on in the season and i think you know in part due to that back stiffness and then two young guys fall into this list for me as well torian prince who's shooting extremely well on three-pointers and brandon ingram as well ingram has played a little bit better lately you know he's up to 28 percent usage in his last five games and had that nice game against the warriors but overall you know just not that efficient i think defensively he's made some strides but the fact that he's shooting you know under 30 percent on three-pointers for his career makes it really hard to say that he could fit in more on an actual good team that wasn't just like desperate for any kind of shot creation as that low ranked lakers offense is but I, I thought he deserved to be in here i think he is going to continue to gradually improve offensively this season and i've liked what i've seen from him on the defensive side of the ball that all makes sense i didn't draw a line just because i didn't like those i, I saw the i kind of saw the difference if you know kind of two-way guys i just didn't think their strengths were were prominent enough yeah. to really separate them out and so you know i'm sitting there going oh would i really rather have and some of it it's hard just because you're trying to figure out well what is this guy right now like Wilson Chandler is a great example it's like Wilson Chandler last year is better than this but he's been pretty awful most of this year and so you so you wonder where yeah. to put 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 somebody like that and you know of course Torian Prince is going to be better moving forward so I ended up with just one massive just hunk of players and there are yeah. guys that are better right now guys that are worse right now well but... so, so let me explain a little bit more about like my rationale and putting these guys a little bit above this next group is that once you get below these guys to me and I I get that like you know Wilson Chandler he's kind of been like a little below average on either end this year you know and Carroll he's shot the three okay uh but you know he'll kind of wax and wane there and you know how good is he still defensively but I think all of these guys at least give you enough on either end that although they're not like a huge quality option it's a question of fit when you're building a team right can you just kind of throw this guy in and it's like all right he's going to do enough of the things that we expect from our small forward that we it doesn't really like okay now you have to have a specific type of player next to these guys right so that's like when you go into the guys that i have below them like tabo uh tj warren on, on offense you know he's a, a nice offensive player but he doesn't really shoot threes and he doesn't defend you know so who do you put around that guy if you're trying to have a good team michael k gilchrist robertson fall into that category then you stanley johnson fall into that category mo harkless luke and Mute. um 
and then you might get uh on offense you'll get like a Boyan Bogdanovich as well as like kind of more just a straight up offensive player so I think like those guys are are just if you have them in the starting lineup it's like okay we really have like this deficit on either offense or defense that we got to find someone else to really make up for this whereas the four guys that I mentioned I don't I think you can kind of plug them in and it's gonna be okay okay I I I I just I I just I don't I don't sorry for that long rant no I don't draw the line the same way that you do but again I see it I just don't I just don't feel that it's enough for me to to draw it as a separate tier the the other guy that I want to add in that you didn't mention and it's partially just because yeah I'm saving him I'm not sure if we're talking about the same person then are we Kelly Oubre no I was talking about James Ennis oh yeah James Ennis because Ennis was Ennis was good last year and I I thought that he he's in this kind of in your tier eight you know my I, I can't even keep track of my tiers anymore this tier whatever tier it is <laughs> like this group this just massive humanity that is this group and yeah kelly Ubre is another one too and Ubre, we still need to see kind of like what he is but yeah i would say that he's he's in because i have it all as one one group he's in that group for me yeah and Ubre, if he continues to shoot like this he he moves up to you know that higher tier and maybe even another tier after that as well i think he's he's more versatile defensively guarding smaller players i mean they'll talk about him playing the four though it's really kind of more porter who plays the four when they play together but Ubre, he's a little bit too slight you know he can't really credibly guard some of the best guys on this list without just getting completely run over physically um but the fact that you can put him on ones and he can compete pretty well is useful and he's a guy who can give you some energy plays so if he keeps shooting like this he'll rocket up this list quite a bit but we haven't seen it yet in big minutes and again he's another one of these guys where it's like okay yeah i know you're hitting and, and his jumper looks better this year like don't get me wrong it could be real but i still can't buy quite yet that he's gonna be you know a solid three-point shooter quite at this moment somebody else who i actually have in this mass but you don't but could be even higher than this when we're doing these this exercise next year is og ananobi yeah ananobi yeah. has all you know defensive capability absolutely and he's hitting his shots right now if he keeps hitting his shots i mean he could be tier six he could even be above that and sorry denver and all the other teams that passed on him there's a reason why drafting wings is is a valuable proposition and so ananobi i mean he could he could just fit in very quickly into into one of these tiers i am a firm believer believer in his potential and he has to prove it though just like all these guys and, and that's yeah I, I mean he's shooting I mean, remember that at this time in 2014 we thought that kj mcdaniels was this mm-hmm. unbelievable three and d find right and, and and anobi you know he's not a great free throw shooter did not shoot the three amazingly well in college he's at 43 percent from downtown right now and i've really liked what we've seen from him defensively and he may even you could even start to say that he might count as more of a four as well he'd be right on that line but probably a three at this point he's starting at the three for them uh, but yeah i mean i just i don't buy the shooting yet i mean if you ask me all right predict what this guy's three-point percentage is going to be for the rest of the year i'd guess it'd be you know like 34 percent or something like that just because the free throw shooting and his college performance um and, and he take he also takes an inordinate number of corner threes as well so that really boosts his percentage a lot is he an above the break option like that's a, a big deal also so yeah i mean if he if a year from now we still believe in his shooting then yeah he's gonna absolutely just rocket up this list let's talk about some of the other players that we gave consideration to or that could be on this list in the future one of those is obviously josh jackson super high pick this year we talked about him at some length in the 15 and 60 that came out yesterday and he has capability but he has a he has been awful this year so you have to can you have to acknowledge that and yeah he's, i would say he has potential more than capability i'm not oh sure. yeah that's true we said that, yesterday fair point you know he what is he doing well at, yeah. at this point i don't think anything i agree that's that's a better way of phrasing it and so yeah so he he has potential but he hasn't done it yet and it, it's going to be harder for him and I, I i honestly don't know exactly like in the ideal articulation of josh jackson i mean i guess you would want him as a three just because defensively that's the highest value for somebody with his skill set but you know i know some people talked about him defensively as being best guarding too so we'll have to see that moving forward chandler parsons you know if he can ever get back to 85 percent of the player he 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 was when well or if he even just did what he did this year but could play enough minutes i mean that's Mm -hmm. the biggest problem here with some of these guys too and that's maybe why you would to 
on Greg Iguodala, you know, who we were kind of arguing about before too. I mean, if you can't play 35 minutes a game uh, or even 30 minutes a game and Parsons is nowhere close to there and now he's been shut down again, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely a concern. So yeah, I mean, just because he's on this minutes limits right right now and he wasn't able to play it all last year and he was so bad last year, he's really a level below the the type of guys we're talking about here to me. And then two other guys that one, one who has actually had more opportunity, even though he's been in the league a shorter period of time, but I think both of them deserve mention. Dylan Brooks has gotten time with the Grizzlies. I like a, a lot of what he has done, but I just need to see more of it to know. And then Sam Decker. Decker has kind of been this intriguing player. Now he missed, basically missed his rookie year due to injury. And now he's been, you know, he's on his kind of his second team where he's been buried a little bit in the rotation. And so, you know, he could end up being there, but at this point, we just, we just don't have enough information to, to have him as high as, as this. Yeah, I mean, I think there's really, while we've been high on Decker and the idea of what he could be, I think we're, you're really pushing it at this point to say that, you know, he's even necessarily going to be a rotation player at, at some point. And so it's certainly premature to talk about him at, at this level. And you know, I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk about him, we should talk about the guy who's starting a, ahead of him at, at small forward, uh, That's true. Wes Johnson. Um, all right. Anything else that you wanted to add here? Any kind of revelations about this, uh, this process? Well, I think that the lines of division, you know, uh, being as kind of as where they are is interesting. The idea of you know like having this group of all-stars and also you could talk, think about this in terms of all nba it's like you have these guys that are just clearly better than everybody else and ben simmons who's trying to work his way into that group and then really who moves into what groups and the idea that with this position which is different from a lot of the other ones especially when we get into point guards and centers eventually is the the value of versatility here because yeah i mean like a lot of these guys you can really ratchet up not only based on who they like like oh they can play power forward but a guy like robert covington who just makes it so that you can fit a lot of other guys next to him and there's there's a lot of value to that i agree with that and and just also looking at the contracts of some of these guys right like getting the number nine small forward and you know you take out the guys who are on rookie deals obviously but if we're gonna say chris middleton is you know between the eighth and tenth best small forward in the nba look at the guys around him in that tier iguodala is older so he's not getting paid quite as much but middleton making about the same as covington but middleton was signed that deal as a restricted free agent Harrison Barnes and Otto Porter both got max contracts and restricted free agency so certainly Covington stands out as a great deal and you know Middleton or, or Porter and Barnes those are the guys who you look at as like okay there's probably a little overpaid for what they are but they're still giving you like very solid production you know and so yeah we may be overpaid by you know and they're on just first tier max deals as well so maybe we overpaid by five million a year for these guys seven million a year but you know that's not the end of the world because they're still producing you know and you're not like oh we got to trade this guy um and then in the tier below i mean then you get into some ugly deals like Batum and Wiggins are the ones that stick out the most there. Um, and Joe Ingles, you know, for where he is right now, that deal, that four-year, $60 million deal, actually, is that too much? How much was his deal? It was 450 not 460 That's right. That's right. Four, I, I realized, I, I think there it was rumored that maybe Orlando would be coming with that type of an offer yeah. sheet. So that's why I had that in my head. But uh, yeah, so for that type of a deal for him, less than $15 million a year, at least as of right now, getting quality production as a starting small forward, that deal is good for Utah right now. You know, it probably won't be by the end when he gets into his early 30s. Um, and then, you know, those are the deals that really stand out to me as we're ranking these. Um, and Trevor Ariza, another guy who obviously, you know, has been on, on one of the better deals in the league for a long time, helped in part by the fact that he signed it pretty early on. One other point I want to make is you can really tell some of the more successful teams and the successful front offices on this list have multiple players. So the Sixers oh, yeah. have Ben Simmons and Robert Covington on this list. The Bucks, you know, they have Chris Middleton and Giannis, who almost was on this list. The Cavs have LeBron and Jay Crowder. And then Celtics. Celtics, yeah. The Celtics have two the Celtics have two guys on rookie scale contracts who are on this list yeah. who could both be way yeah. higher and, on this and, list and, in the very and, near and, future. And Marcus Morris is another oh, and they've got Gordon Hayward too. I mean, yeah, they have three. Uh, and Marcus Morris, you know, can play some small forward. We'll have him in power, the power forward rankings, but you know, he's uh, another guy with uh, that type of versatility. And then, you know, the Warriors have Iguodala and Durant. So it's wings is what this league runs on and if you have good wings you're probably 
going to be a good team. And even some of these wings are support players, like for Houston. I mean, they're not the straws sure. that stir the drink, but they're still a, an important part of what makes them good. And, you know, I mean, you have, we, we considered PJ Tucker a four in this, but so they could have had three guys on this list too. They would have been lower on it, but the, they're not the best players on their team. So it's awfully impressive. And, you know, some of the teams that are, are missing out on this, I and mean, you could think about, you know, like the teams that are underperforming relative to their talent level, a lot of it is because they don't have players on these lists. All right, let's uh, blow through some of this news here real quick. We'll start in Charlotte where things have gone from bad to worse. They are 9-16 and 16 as of now. Cody Zeller, torn meniscus in his left knee. I think that was actually suffered in the Warriors game. We saw him limping around. Uh, he is out indefinitely. They are evaluating options, presumably. Uh, it's whether it's going to be a meniscus trim or repair, the latter of which would have him out for the entire year. But really, even if he has the trim, that's eight weeks and uh they already were really struggling off the bench kaminsky has returned uh or, or is supposed to come back uh, monday uh from that right ankle sprain he suffered uh against the warriors and then nicola batum with some comments saying he's nowhere close to 100 percent with that left elbow injury that he suffered uh, in camp and says he's been in major pain and he's supposed to not play on monday and especially with where their season seems kind of headed you know we may see him get shut down for a period of time as well and all this is really ugly because they already struggle so badly with their bench right i mean you remember what happened last year when zeller was out at least they have dwight howard now but it's going to be either johnny o'brien or kaminsky as their backup center with no batum lamb is going to start but then it's Dwayne bacon or travion graham graham actually has played okay at times but uh, bacon has not uh and so, I mean, you know, they may still be okay when Kemba's on the floor, but when he goes out, they're going to get killed even worse than they have been. And really difficult now to imagine that they are going to rally into the playoffs. They're projected right now, and that doesn't know about some of these injuries, uh, 35 and 47 and only a 24% chance uh, at the playoffs uh, by our friends at 538. And remember, Kemba Walker only has one more season on this contract after this year. They have some big evaluations there. And I mean, maybe they just start rolling to next year saying this is the kind of the last hurrah but maybe they should consider making a move sooner rather than later if the right offer comes around yeah uh, i i think that's uh that's correct and at some point you know when we do our trade deadline specials we'll talk about you know potential walker destinations because it does seem uh, especially because they cannot extend him uh it certainly seems <clears throat> pretty risky now of course they would have full bird rights on him but i mean are they gonna not make the playoffs this year that's two in a row and and yeah not great uh derrick rose has returned but there's also talk that with this bone spur uh in his left ankle he may need surgery if uh the rehab on that ankle which he uh, the bone spur actually occurred prior to his signing with the Cavs, but uh he aggravated it when he uh, was flagrant followed by greg monroe uh in Atlanta, the Hawks have waived Nicholas Brusino, the uh, Argentine, and they picked up when he was waived by the Mavs, and they are going to sign Tyler Cavanaugh to a full NBA contract, our second player after Mike James, uh, to go from a two-way to a full uh, NBA contract, which teams unilaterally have the, the right to do, that you can negotiate whatever kind of contract uh, you care to based on, you know, the team's cap situation. Obviously, Cavanaugh has kind of been a surprise getting some minutes as a backup four or five as a shooter smart player can like hit some floaters around the rim as well he's kind of like he seems like what ryan kelly was supposed to be but never actually uh became and then the Suns have signed a uh, daniel house uh, i believe he was with uh the rio grande valley vipers in the rocket system to uh, a two-way after they moved mike james up and waved Derek jones jr who i think was not claimed i don't think i think uh he fell through the cracks there which is a surprise I wonder what ended up happening to him we'll have to keep our eye out for that but house an athletic guy was with the wizards last year and uh he might get a chance to play a little bit with the suns uh especially since they will uh no doubt be in tanking mode very shortly here uh, what else we got a couple of guys are coming back soon especially at the big positions john collins either tuesday or thursday from his ac joint sprain tristan thompson back tuesday will come off the bench yeah. and he had that I, calf injury he's been yeah, out for calf uh, injury like six and then weeks or so tay dosich has been dealing with the plantar fascia issue he missed the games on the weekend and he he's questionable for monday night but it should be at some point in the near term 
In other news, Steph Curry per Monty Poole of NBC Sports Bay Area expected to miss at least 12 more days. Steve Kerr reporting that the swelling has come down, but he hasn't started doing anything uh, on court yet. In other ankle sprain news, uh, Nikola Jokic does not appear to be close. He's been ruled out already uh, for the Nuggets next game, and this will be his sixth straight uh, on the shelf. And so no indications that he's even reached kind of the day-to-day status yet. Uh, what did you think of these comments uh, from Magic Johnson? It's the right approach. So basically what Magic said was that if the right players, I, the way I thought about it was if the right players don't say yes, they're totally fine rolling over their space to 2019, that they don't have to spend their money in 2018. I think that's the right approach. They're cap flexibility actually gets way better after that year because then you just have one fewer year with Wal Dang and Jordan Clarkson under contract and yeah they have to make a decision on on Julius Randle but they were going to have to do that anyway so you know maybe they could even get him for the qualifying offer if depending on how this market goes so yeah I think that's I think that's the right approach they have to be context dependent when you're a free agent team and you have the ability to be you always should be so good for them to to, to not put too much heat on themselves and when you are a desirable market which they want to be then that's how you do it has something happened in recent lakers history that would indicate that just spending cap space because you have it is a bad idea i would think so god um a few other quick hitters here uh, anthony davis Ugh. had that uh, adductor strain that groin strain played a couple of games uh, against sacramento and then 40 minutes after having his minutes restriction lifted against philly and of course he appears to have re-injured it. he's now questionable for tonight we'll see whether he plays uh, or not but uh because it's the pals of course they would you know play him 40 minutes um Paul George has missed time uh, with a calf strain, questionable to return uh, on Monday night. They certainly need him back. Uh, In Portland, Yusuf Nurkic has been out uh, with an ankle injury. He's being ruled out, uh, so it doesn't seem close uh, to returning as well. Uh, Balkan Nuggets or former Nuggets centers uh, definitely struggling with the the ankles of late. Uh, In their game against Houston, notable Myers Leonard played 20 minutes and Zach Collins had uh, 19. Actually had three block shots, but it didn't do uh, a ton else. But the Blazers, Nurkic certainly is one of their big three, and I would expect them to to struggle uh, on both ends in his absence. What else do we have? Uh, Two other big guys that are dealing with indefinite timetables. Willie Cauley-Stein has a back injury. He's missed their last three games, and he's listed as day-to-day, but we don't know exactly what when he's going to be coming back. And Baby Noguera has a torn calf. He is out indefinitely, and that's unfortunate for him, obviously. But fortunately for the Raptors, they have gotten nice minutes from Jakob Pertl, who I think has been very good for them, had another good game against Willie Cauley-Stein Sacramento Kings on Sunday. Yeah, and with uh, the ability of Serge Ibaka to play center and Valanciunas there's still plenty covered at the center position Marcus Morris struggling with a sore left knee and it seems like Brad Stevens saying it's something that's continued to plague him and we've seen him have some good games he was awesome in their win at OKC but has really kind of been in and out of the lineup recently has not been starting uh, they've been going with Horford and Baines as the starters I think in part because Morris has not quite been himself so he's going to be reevaluated on Tuesday after experiencing more soreness in their games over the weekend and it wouldn't shock me if especially with the lingering nature of this if potentially a procedure might end up being involved um and then two more here dennis smith with a hip injury still no timetable to return officially but doesn't sound incredibly serious and then tony snell really the bucks have done extremely well since they got blood zone maybe we're probably not giving them enough credit for as much as we've been complaining about jason kidd's coaching that they actually have been winning games uh snell missed both games over the weekend with that left patellar tendonitis with del vadova still out jason terry also suffering a calf injury he'll be out at least two weeks and so they're down to really you know we complained that they were starting gary payton but now they kind of have to they really don't have that much left there uh, at the two guard position and jabari parker still seems like he's a couple of months away although now they're at the point where they really could use him but uh you know and now they're gonna have to play middleton Giannis, like even more minutes so that's something uh, to monitor of course as well since Giannis has had his own uh, issues uh, with his knee at times 
So we're pretty much at the end. I will again promote that the the piece that I wrote on the kind of the Nets perspective of the trade, more in terms of what they gave up in losing Devin Booker's, or sorry, not Devin Booker, Trevor Booker's expiring contract. And then at some point, hopefully on Monday night, my Real Jam Radio podcast with Tom Harrister will come out. I'm in the process of editing it. That'll be good. And that's about it for my promotional stuff, other than my book, which I should probably mention every once in a while. That is available, 100 Things Warriors Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's available on local bookstores, ideally Amazon. And, you know, there's an, a Kindle version. There are ebook versions on Triumph Books. All right. Don't forget about our sponsors today, uh, Blue Apron and Bull and & Branch. And we'll be back uh, tomorrow night. Probably do a gamer tomorrow night, uh, I'm thinking. So uh, looking forward to that. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.